Thank you, thank you. How are we? We good? We live? We happy? It's a good day in North Carolina. North Carolina. Spent Christmas up in Canada, the freezing north. So it's good to be home. It's good to be here. What has it been, like 15 degrees Celsius? Somebody tell me what it is in Fahrenheit. I don't know. I still, like, I do homes and pools in Fahrenheit and hot tubs, but I, I still can't figure out the outdoors very well in Fahrenheit. My whole life, we've done Celsius, right? So do I have any other Celsius people in the room? We got a couple? We got a couple? Okay. Woo! When we've made it one week on this 21 days of prayer and fasting, well done, everyone. For those who felt the Lord tell them to participate and are giving up something, well done. If the Lord didn't tell you to participate, that's okay, too. I hope you're enjoying all the lavish goodies for the rest of us. Um, but for those of us who are, for those of us who felt the Lord encourage us to do something, whoo, one week, one week down. Give somebody a high five next to you. Come on, come on, let's, let's that little action. We're, uh, we're fasting a few things at home. Uh, one of those things I felt the Lord specifically tell me to do, which it sounds simple, but it's been, it's, oh man, it's been awesome. But the Lord was like, I want you to fast your phone. Don't pick it up until 9 a.m. and put it away at 9 p.m. And don't touch it. And so I'm finding myself in the morning. I'm like spending more time with my children. You know, parents, let's be real. Like, especially in those early, early days, like you've woken up, you might have had a rough sleep, you're exhausted. The last thing you actually want to do is parent your children. There were not enough laughs. Y'all aren't being real enough with yourselves. The last thing you want to do. So you're like secretly on your phone. You're catching up on Instagram. You're doing whatever it is. But I just felt the Lord be like, don't do it. Like, put away your phone. Don't touch it until 9 a.m. Put it away at 9 p.m. And so it's like all of a sudden, for some of you, this might be the easiest thing in the world. But for me, this is what the Lord spoke personally. But it's like even in the evening, it's like times I could be just saying, I'm, I'm, all right, I'm going to go to bed. And then you just sit on your phone for like two hours. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But instead, it's like I'm like talking with Jess and we're having like these amazing moments of conversation in our marriage and I'm spending time with the Lord and it's been so, so good. So as, as we've already clearly pointed out, here we are, Seek First, our series, and Jess did a brilliant job last week kicking off our series talking about how we are his dwelling place, Right? how we are the dwelling place of God, how we no longer have to attend a certain zip code, a certain temple, a certain high mountain to praise, to worship him, but we have become the indwelling of Christ. That by Jesus dying on the cross, going and defeating death, raising from the dead again, going up to heaven, ascending, he sent the Holy Spirit, the comforter, who now lives inside each and every one of us, and we can dwell with God daily, right? Yes, and so today, I felt, we felt on our hearts to talk about a life of worship, to talk about how do we cultivate this life of worship throughout this series, but throughout our lives, throughout this year, throughout the years to come. Not only are we saying, okay, I'm going to fast, I'm going to give something up, but also, God, I'm going to add something to my life. How am I spending time with you? How am I communing with you? How am I reminding myself that I'm the dwelling place and being in your presence, in your face, with you? If you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew, sorry, Luke 7. We're starting Luke 7, verse 36. Hmm. 
This verse, these verses are such a beautiful expression of worship in the Bible. Jesus has, he's been attending a few different towns. He was in Capernaum where he, he healed the servant of a centurion. Then later he went to the city of Nain where he rose back from, from the dead, uh, a widow's son. And then John the disciple, John the Baptist, sorry, sent his disciples to go to Jesus and say, hey, listen, like, are you really the one? And so Jesus is talking with them and he's talking to the people and all of a sudden, this Pharisee comes to him and invites Jesus into his home. And let's pick this up, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And she stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love this story. Jesus is invited into this, this Pharisee's home, this religious man's home. And this, this woman who was known as a sinful woman she, she is so gripped with love. She's so gripped with this, I just have to see Jesus, that she goes and she faces ridicule. She faces embarrassment. She faces judgment from this Pharisee, from this religious man, from this house, of even showing her face, of even showing up in this place. And, but she's just like gripped with this fervent love for Jesus. That's like, I just, I got to find him. I got to get to him. Whatever it, whatever it takes, I need to show up and I need to wash his feet. And so she takes this oil, this, this fragrant oil of great cost. And rather than, rather than anointing his head as was the custom, she deems it not worthy for that, but she takes this oil and she cleans his feet. And the Bible says a mixture of her tears 
and this oil, she cleans his feet and she wipes his feet with her hair. My ladies, does that sound something you would like to do? Wash your husband or wash a man's feet with your hair? I would, I would do this for you if I could. I can't. I'm bald. But listen, this does not sound appealing. This woman shows up, but she is gripped with a love for Jesus. She's like, I just, I have to, I have to. And she's at his feet, and she's weeping, and she's taking this oil, and she's wiping his feet with her hair, and then she's just kissing his feet. And how does this Pharisee react, right? He's like, how dare you? If you only knew, if you only knew who this woman was. I mean, joke's on him, the Lord knew. <laughs> He's, if you only knew, and what does Jesus say? He shares that little story. There's a creditor who had two debtors. Who would love more, the one who'd been forgiven much or little? We are called to a life of worship like this woman, to pour something costly at, at the feet of Jesus. And you know, worship is easy when we understand the price that Jesus paid for us. When we understand the great weight of sin that was abolished through the life of Jesus on the cross, it's like worship is the most natural response. Worship is just an overflow of a love-filled heart, of a heart that knows what Jesus has done for them, of a heart that knows what the Father did when he sent his Son. It's like it's the most natural reaction in the world. We are called to be laid-down lovers and worshipers of Jesus. And this story is such a beautiful picture of worship. I believe worship is any thought, action, or deed that brings pleasure to the heart of God. In Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what happens when we apply the faith of God to the things that we do, that becomes worship as it pleases his heart. In all things, in all that we do. So we felt, I felt prompted this morning as we're in this series, as we're praying and we're fasting. It's not only about what we're giving up, but it's about what we're offering him with our lives, with the rest of our days to come. He's looking for, he is looking for worshipers. John 4, 23 says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. He is seeking, he is searching for worshipers. The other day I was in the gym, I was doing my Bible reading and I just finished my audio book and I was ready to like put on a leadership podcast, a church leadership podcast. And I all of a sudden felt the Lord just like remind me, like put on some worship and pray and worship me. So I just began to finish my workout and just pray and worship the Lord. Cause I'm like, this is it. This is the purpose of this series. This is the purpose of my life. When you are in love with Jesus, it causes you to do crazy things, right? Remember those honeymoon phases when you first start dating your now wife for the married people in this room? You remember those days where you would like do anything for that person? You were like so in love, everything would cause butterflies, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can I get a couple nods? I would drive uh, 14, sometimes 14 and a half hours overnight 
from a small town in Ontario in Canada from the north to come see Jess, my wife. I would risk basically falling asleep at the wheel because I just had to get there. I wasn't going to do this thing in two trips. Like, I had to get there. I had to see her. So I'd put on an audio book to try and stimulate my mind and picture the stories of C.S. Lewis or whatever it is so that I could manage staying awake just so I could see her, just so I could spend time with her. And that's, that's what being in love does. That's what being in love causes. It causes us to be like, oh, I need to see you. I need to be with you. I need to pour my affections out on you. Probably when I was, I think, somewhere around grade 10 or 11, I felt the Lord say to me, he said, Aaron, I want you to start waking up at 6 a.m. and being with me. And a little bit of context, Canadian schools start at 9 a.m. I know in America they start at like when? Like super early. 7.15. So y'all are like, getting up at 6 is just what we do. No, that's not the case in Canada. 5.30, okay. Well, that's not the case. 9 is when school starts. So you're waking up at maybe 8 or later if you're rushing over, like 8.30, 8.45, you know what I'm talking about? Especially now that I'm bald, I could probably make it a lot faster. Um, but the Lord told me, he said, I want you to start waking up at 6 a.m. and be with me. And I just remember like cheekily saying to the Lord, I don't necessarily recommend it, but I was like, if you wake me up, I'll do it. And uh, Jehovah Sneaky was like, challenge accepted, I got this. And so I, I go to bed that night, and the next morning, all of a sudden, like in the middle of the night, well, it felt like the middle of the night, there's this knocking on my window, the, the outside window of my, our house on my, my, uh, by my room. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? I'm half asleep. I groggily roll out of bed. I come to the front door. I open the door, and it's my oldest sister, Amy. And she, she didn't live at home anymore, but she's like, I'm working with Dad today. And my dad's an arborist, a tree trimmer. And I'm working with Dad today, and I needed a rain jacket. And so I'm like, what the heck? Okay, she, she gets a rain jacket. I close the door. I go back into my room, and I'm about to hop back into bed. And I remember vividly seeing the alarm clock, and it said 6-0-0. And I was just like, jokingly, before the Lord, obviously, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, how dare you? But what, what seemed like a chore, what in my heart was like, only if you wake me up, God, it didn't stay that way very long. For months and months, it became like the greatest joy and privilege of a love-filled heart. Because as a teenager, I would wake up at 6 a.m., the house was still, nobody was awake, and it was like just to be with him, the one whom my heart longs for, desires. I'd wake up, I'd make a pot of Earl Grey tea, I didn't drink coffee at the time, and I would just read my Bible and worship and pray, and it was just some of the greatest times and memories in my life. Just those, those times of quietness with the Lord. And it is the most natural response for us as his beloved. We are called to be worshipers, to be laid down lovers of Jesus. You know, everyone, everyone worships. It's not a question of if we worship, it's a question of who we're worshiping, of what we're worshiping. Lord says we shall have no other gods before him. And sometimes we can kind of get that, the placement mixed up a little, right, in our lives, in our hearts. If we're honest, I'm being honest for myself. 
whether we're worshiping our, our time, our own agendas, our sleep, TV, our phones, success, fame, money, promotions, whatever it is, we can put these things before the Lord. And it's like we just need to reorient. reorient re, can somebody say that word for me? I just can't right now. Thank you. Ourselves before the Lord. <laughs> because he's worth it. And it doesn't take long before like, oh, wow, this is the greatest joy in my life. This is, this is worth every moment, every sacrifice, every early morning. <laughs> and it's not like all those things are inherently wrong, but when they come before the Lord, they are. And so this morning, I felt prompted to challenge us that we have a decision to make. Who are we going to worship over the rest of this fast, over, our, over these years to come, over the rest of our days, are we going to choose to worship him? Not just in the highs, not just in the joyful moments, but in the low moments, in the, the moments of grief and sorrow and pain. I remember as a young man doing the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in 2008, and Bill Johnson in this tender moment shared this story with us of the day his father died of cancer. And he, he said that there was this in all the grief and the weeping and the pain, it's like he just went to the Lord and began to worship the Lord. And he described it as a, a type of fragrance, that a, a smell and fragrance he'd be, off, be able to offer to the Lord that he would never again be able to offer him. That this was a unique fragrant offering he could give to the Lord. Because one day there'll be no suffering. We can't worship God in suffering in heaven. There will be no more pain. He'll wipe every tear from the, our eyes but here in this place, we get to say, God, I don't always understand, but you're good and I love you and I trust you and I choose to worship you. Hmm. You know, so often we have these corporate times of worship and I've, I've personally had some incredible corporate times of worship where I've been marked, where I've been transformed, where I've been changed. I remember even as a teenager weeping on the floor during some corporate moments. But some of my personal favorite, I don't know about y'all, is just those moments of like sacrificial worship before the Lord, even in my own mo private moments with the Lord. About nine and a half years ago, I was invited to come and be the youth pastor here at this church. And thank you. Any youth in the room? Trying to hit that 10-year mark, guys, okay? It just sounds good. <laughs> I remember I came down here. We were trying to get me a visa, being Canadian, to work in the States to be paid. And for about a year and a half, we were pretty futile. And the, the application got denied. We put in an appeal, and the appeal got denied. And we approached a lawyer, and the lawyer was like, Aaron needs to go home to Canada and wait this out. And so I'd been here for a year and a half working for free, but still, like, it was my job. It was my passion. It was my life. I gave everything to the youth ministry that year and a half, like I was paid a million dollars to do it because I loved it. I was excited about it, it was, and I felt called to it. And, but around this mark, it was like all this, this glorious year and a half, all of a sudden it's like, now go back to Canada. You can't, you can't have this anymore. And so I went up to Canada and I still believed in my heart that the visa was going to work out, that this was temporary, so I needed to find a temporary job. So I found a temporary job working night shifts in a meat factory. 
and we were the cleaners. We would, I would go in with hoses and I would clean the chicken line, like where they would take this raw chicken, they would blend it, and they would bread it, and it was just disgusting. And let me tell you, chicken fat sticks in every little crevice and corner imaginable. You'd be sitting there with like this high-pressured hose forever trying to get this one little piece off. And not only was I working night shifts in a meat factory, which I have nothing against factory work, but for me, coming from ministry, I'm doing what I love, to now this polarizing, I'm working night shifts up in Canada. And that year was one of the record coldest uh, winters in Ontario. They called it the polar vortex, and even Niagara Falls froze over. And... So I'm in this polar vortex, I'm working night shifts, and I just remember, like, my heart, I was having a real hard time of it. Jess and I were engaged at this time, and there was this moment that's marked me that I'll never forget. I was about to go into work for, like, 10.30 in the evening. I was about to drive, and I was like, I just need to get in God's face and worship him. And it didn't necessarily feel like the most natural thing, but it felt like I, I have to do something. I feel so weighed down, like I need to get in, in his face and worship him. And so I just, I remember putting on some sort of Stephanie Gretzinger song and worshiping my face off in our living room with the lights off. And something broke on me as I worshiped him. It was like all of a sudden everything shifted. The Lord invaded my circumstances. And it's not that he changed everything. It's not that all of a sudden magically, like here's a visa, come back to the States, son. No, but it's the Lord as I beheld his face, as I, as I spent time with him, as I worshiped him, it's like something changed inside of me. And I would go to my job and like love life from that moment on. Tell my, tell my coworkers who the F word was every other word for them, Literally, I would be telling them about Jesus, and I'd be smiling and cleaning this line. And I'm, I'm pretty sure my boss was sad when I left <laughs> at this point. But it was like something changed. And that's what happens when we worship him. We are transformed into his likeness. We behold what we become, or we become what we behold. <laughs> Second Corinthians 2.15 says, we are the pleasing aroma of Christ to God. You are the pleasing aroma of Christ to God. I love this picture. Like, you smell good to heaven. Your worship smells good. Come on, tell somebody you smell good to heaven. Tell somebody next to you. You know when you're driving past a restaurant and, like, they're pumping out, like a barbecue restaurant, and they're pumping out the smells into the neighborhood, and you are like, oh, my goodness, I'm sorry for fasting food in this room. You're like, oh, my goodness, all I want to do is eat barbecue now. Like, imagine our worship to God is this sweet aroma that's wafting, and he's like, oh, you're so attractive. You're so beautiful. You smell so good. Your worship, it reminds me of my son, Jesus. That's what happens when we worship. And we get to become the sacrifice. We get to offer up our lives, ourselves, our bodies as living sacrifices to him. <laughs> Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed into his image as we contemplate his glory as we take time to worship him, as we allow ourselves to be exposed to his face, to his presence, to his person, we are transformed. 
And how many know this is the very purpose we were created for? This is, worship is not a means to an end. Worship is the end. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It is the chief purpose of man. Like we were born to worship. And there's something that happens inside of us, I believe on a molecular DNA level, that we are transformed into his likeness as we behold him, as we worship him. And we are called as as it talks about in 1 Peter 2, to be a royal priesthood, to minister to the Lord. You know, we live in a culture that will go pretty wild for a sports team. We'll dress up, we'll paint our bodies, we'll get ridiculous, and there's nothing, on, nothing wrong with that, nothing enjoying a sports team. But how often are we giving the Lord our best? When we come into a private moment of worship, when we come to church, when we're, we're doing something that is worship to the Lord, it's like, are we, are we giving him everything? Are we giving him our all? Do we know how to make a joyful noise? You know, in, in Psalms 100, it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing and know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. What does it look like, church family, to give him our best? To pour out, to offer something costly. To to face potential ridicule like this woman in Luke 7. to, To face potential embarrassment but to say, Jesus, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give you everything. Take a moment and think about King David when the ark is being returned, right? Like a king himself strips off his outer garment and is dancing outside like a wild man before all the people because he can't hold back this praise, this worship, this love-filled heart that the presence of God is now returning. When we see him, when we behold him, it's like something is bursting forth outside of us and we just have to give him everything. And Micah, his, his wife, David's wife, is embarrassed. She's like, you're a king, you've embarrassed yourself, you've shamed yourself. And what does he say? He says, I will become even more indignified than this. He's like, you have seen nothing yet. It's what is my pride? What is man's pride? What is a king's pride when compared with Jesus? It's pale in comparison. It's weak in comparison. I had this moment when I was out at uh, Bethel at the school in our second year. In our second year, we were like, the Lord was doing amazing things in our, in our class. The, some of the teachers will still to this day talk about that class and what God was doing in the revival. And I remember this night, it wasn't planned, it wasn't part of the curriculum, but the second year students, we just decided we're going to have a worship night and seek God's face. And so we're here, and we are hungry. We are hungry, we are, dare I say, desperate for more of Jesus. And I remember this moment where I am just like so deeply in love with God that something starts bursting out of me. I'm like, I need to dance in worship before the Lord. And this wasn't my usual like punch dance on stage. This, this was like I felt something inside of me that was like I need to do like some sort of ballet and modern dance for God. I should warn you I'm not trained at all. But in this moment it was like this, 
I'm not, I'm not lying. There was like this, this is the type of offering I want to give to the Lord right now. This is my fragrance. And it's like, I need to take a moment. I need to not be embarrassed or worry about what anyone's going to think about me because this is how I feel like I need to worship God right now in this moment. And so I went to the back of this room. I went to the corner of the room and I began to literally like, I don't even know. Somebody tell me the official terms and like roll on the ground. Pirouette, is that a, that's a term? Pirouette. Scream it out, Hannah. Pirouette. There you go, there you go. Pirouette. Whatever it is, like I was doing my best attempt at Step Up, the movie, and <laughs> for the Lord, and going for it. I wish I had like a video to watch of this crazy kid doing some sort of attempt at some horrible ballet in the back of the room. But this is like, this, this moment between me and the Lord is sacred. Like, I look back at that moment of, like, I'm not going to worry about a single person in this room. This is how I need to worship right now, and I'm going to go for it. And I look at that moment, and it is, like, it is treasured. What happens when we realize who he is, what he's done for us? It's this explosive worship where it's, like, I just have to, have to, have to give you everything. Being a believer... And knowing the beloved, it changes us. As we said earlier, it causes us to do crazy things being in love. And worship, it's not, it, can't, it obviously singing in songs, it's all over the Bible, it's important. But it's not just that. We can worship as we take that Hebrews 11 principle, as we apply faith to all that we do and we direct it to the heart of God and it collides with his great pleasure for our faith and our worship and our actions and our deeds towards him. Everything in our lives becomes worship. There's no separation. Our lives, our jobs, our going to the grocery store, Mowing the lawn, it can all be worship. Parents of young kids in the house changing diapers can be worship. Like, think about the gift of a child. You can sit there and be like, this is disgusting, another diaper. Or we can be like, wow, God, I'm so grateful I have a healthy child. So many people haven't been able to. Either couldn't have kids, have lost children. God, I'm going to choose to thank you that this poop has managed to get in every crevice imaginable, but it is my joy to have this child and change their diaper. And I'm going to worship you through it, right? In our studies at school, like, come on, you got into that university. You got into that college. You're getting that degree. Why not turn that study into worship? In our jobs, maybe even through the frustration, through some of the the management, bad management, whatever it is, it's like, God, I'm going to choose to remain in this place and to just worship you through all my work. It all becomes worship. Our lives become a fragrant offering to him because we are the aroma of Christ to God. So it's it's a simple message this morning, but it's a message that I've personally felt convicted of in the gym. It's a message I feel like is for us right now in this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting, that what are we bringing to the Lord? Not just what are we taking away, but how can we actually seek his face, seek him first, and worship him with all that he is worthy of?
and he is worthy. And he is beautiful. And he is lovely. I love what they were singing. I won't let the rocks cry out in my place. It's like, I'm not going to let somebody else do the job for me. Like, this is my joy. And I want to encourage us what, what can often feel like a cost of giving up maybe that show we want to watch or giving up being on our phones or giving up whatever it is and taking time to be with him to, to, to turn what we're doing into worship. It is worth it. It is worth every moment of our days. It's not a chore. It's beautiful. So I feel like before we close, just for us to have a moment of honesty with the Lord and ask him the question, Lord, how can I be worshiping you this week? How can I be worshiping you this year? Teach me a new way to worship you. Would you just stand with me? Let's just close our eyes for a moment and have a moment like that with the Lord. And I just would love for us to ask him that question. Lord, how can I worship you this week? How can I worship you this way? What's a new way I can give you my worship? And just listen for a moment. And just ask him too, God, is there any area in my life in which you're not first? Would you reveal to me so I can make a change? Lord, is there any, is there any of the mundane tasks of our lives we can give to you as worship? Lord, is there anything in our jobs we can give you as worship? Lord, in our studies, in our parenting, how can we worship you? Lord, I just ask that you would Someone was sharing with me earlier a word about how catch the fire is called to be an altar. We're creating an altar for the Lord. And Lord, I ask that we would be a people that burn for you. God, that we would not be simply a people that play church, that play singing songs, songs and music. It's just, as Kim Walker brilliantly said, it's just noise without you, Jesus. And so would we be a people who choose to worship you in all things, through all things. God, I ask that you would teach us the nuances of worshiping you with our lives, of worshiping you even as we exercise, of worshiping you as, as we do all and every task in our lives, God, that it would become a life of a laid down lover, of a worshiper of you. Come on, why don't we just put a hand on somebody next to us for a moment and say, God, would you just get them with a spirit of worship? Would you make them fall more madly in love with you? Come on, say it out. Would you make them fall more madly in love with you, Jesus? That worship would become the most natural thing, the most natural response for them. 
Pray over them as you would want them to pray over you for a moment for the next 30 seconds that they would encounter a life of deeper worship this year, that 2022 would mark a turning point for their lives where they would go deeper into the heart of God, where they would go deeper into the spirit of worship, of revelation and worship this year. God, would you get us? God, don't let us off the hook. We're allowing you now. We're saying, come and get me, God, with your presence, with your love, with your heart, with worship. I say, do what you want to do in this community. Do what you want to do in our jobs. Do what you want to do in our families. Do what you want to do with every single aspect of our lives that nothing would be, would be, everything would be sacred unto you, Jesus. Nothing would be off the hook. You can have it all. Every breath, the last breath, God, we give it all. May we offer you something costly. And I just feel like right now, even as I'm praying, I feel the Lord saying he is blowing on, on coals that, are, that, feel like, that, that seem to be dying out. If you feel like your coals are less than you want them to be, just place a hand on your heart for a moment. Father, right now, even as you just gave me that word, Lord, we just pray that you would breathe on the coals of our hearts. You would breathe on the coals of our lives. God, don't let us go through the motions. Breathe on every heart, O breath of God. I just pray and prophesy a consuming fire that we would be consumed by the all-consuming fire himself, that we would realize and see the person of Jesus and the only reaction and response of our heart could be and would be, I must worship him with everything. Father, we thank you that fire always falls on sacrifice, that you are a faithful God. So would you show us, would you reveal to us the areas in our lives in which we need to sacrifice much, but gain the world, gain you in all those things. <laughs> and I feel like the Lord is not just digging our wells deeper, but he's, he's, he's spreading them wider. And I feel like the Lord is saying that he is, as we seek his face, he is growing our influence. He is growing the influence of our well to the communities and the people around us. A well was a gathering place to come and to receive and to, to, to all those who are thirsty to come and drink. And the Lord is, the Lord is growing our influence. Lord, we thank you for what you want to do in this church body. Lord, we thank you for these 21 days of prayer. But God, even more than that, we thank you for our lives. Would you write your story through each and every one of our lives? In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.